reminds me of a post I saw earlier, which says, I love sarcastic people with robust vocabularies. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Boundless Book Club, the podcast from the Emirates Literature Foundation in Dubai. Today we're talking about the books that can help you live your best life. And we are going to be lucky enough to welcome all the authors we're speaking about today to the Emirates Lit Fest in a couple of weeks. I am Annabelle. I am Ahlam. And I'm Andrea. And joining us today from the marketing team, we have our wonderful colleague, Maham Uzair. Welcome, Maham. Hello. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. Right now, I think we're all hoping for some insight into how we could live our best life or even just slightly better life than today. So what have you brought to the table, Ahlam? I've brought to the table something that's been a thorn to me <laughs> for years where I, you know, I grew up always being uh, skinny and um, having a very high metabolism. So I never really gained weight. Obviously that's changed a little bit after 30. Um, and so we have this misconception where if you know you're thin, then you feel like you don't need to look into any diets or um, you know look into healthy lifestyle as much as you know people who are trying to lose weight, for example. Um, but over the past couple of years, I think I've I've been a lot more curious um, about food and about lifestyle. Um, not for the sake of losing weight or anything, but there's so many other reasons. Um, and uh, one of the, you know, one of the things about a very quick lifestyle, especially for us, you know, working long hours, being busy, um, my husband and I are both um, have full-time jobs, come back late at night and we're, we're busy and retired. And so often we don't prioritize uh, buying good ingredients, making our own food at home. It's so quick these days to order your lunch or your dinner on delivery that often you end up just eating whatever you feel like and not really thinking about what's what what are the products that are going into your meals every day. And it's fine if you do it, you know, here and there, but every single day, more than once a meal, um, not knowing where your food comes from or what ingredients are being used in there, it's it's been a concern for me. Um, and what I love about these books, so I'm, I've chosen Dr. Ruby Aujla, who is coming to the festival. Um, and I have two of his books. I have, uh, so The Doctor's Kitchen is, is his brand and the name of the books. Um, and there's one which is Eat to Beat Illness. And then one is just, you know, healthy, 100 healthy recipes of The Doctor's Kitchen. And he's, he's a doctor and he explains things with, you know, he explains the background of these, the benefits of, of every section of the book. So he's got uh, diets that are good for the gut, for example. And, you know, like we know in Ayurveda, for example, um, everything starts with the gut and um, your, your health everywhere else in your body starts um, with the gut. So he has a whole section talking about what are the foods that are good for the gut? What's the science behind it? Why we should be caring about this? Um, and then he's got a section about um, he's got a section about eating well for your brain, which then sends signals to the rest of your body. And then eating well for your eyes or for your heart or for inflammation, which is the cause of so many issues that we have in our bodies. And what I what I love about the the book is that it's it's a very um, clear guide and it's 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 educational but then it's a beautiful recipe book as well which um is is super encouraging 
to make us want to make these dishes because they look delicious. The, the dishes are always so colorful. Um, and uh, and, and I, I really, really enjoyed um, reading the book and I'm looking forward to making a couple of the recipes uh, that I found in here. And I think as Arabs, we're used to having meat in all of our dishes. And one of the, you know, there's a couple of rule of thumbs that he gives. And obviously he says that one diet doesn't fit you know, the entire human population, there's no such thing as a perfect diet. You know, there's different diets for different people based on what your body needs and you really have to listen to it. But there's one of the things that he says is that you should think about your food as being predominantly plant-based and think about having meat as a luxury, maybe once or twice a week, but not more than that. And that was really eye-opening for me. Um, and then he really believes in adding color. So he says when, when, when thinking about plant-based plant food, always put at least two vegetables or more in every meal um, in order to, to help get you in a healthier place. And I noticed there's, there's some dairy, but very, very little in his recipes. Like he has in some of the gut-friendly recipes, for example, he's got pure full-fat Greek, Greek yogurt, which gives you all that good probiotic for for the gut um, and things like that and he has um in 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 his in his book eat to beat illness now i know this is a sensitive topic because you know with people who actually have these illnesses um it's very difficult to um instruct anyone to um work on healing themselves with the purely you know looking at diet but I think, you know, these days we know so much about genes. Um, there's people who do these ancestry DNA tests, and then the, these tests actually will tell you um, for your gene make, you know, you are more likely to have such and such diseases or based on your family history, if you know that certain diseases um, are, are common in your bloodline, then it's a really good way of preventing or um, making sure that you do everything that you can through food and um, preventing those those diseases before they actually uh, come into your life. And so this is one of the things that I'm going to be taking very seriously this year. He has this like, um, he has like ingredient lists. Uh, so he has a spice section and he talks about every spice and what it's good for. And they're also separated into categories like um um, inflammation or, um, you know, what's, what's food that's good for the heart. So it even makes grocery shopping easier. I've been flicking through the book and making my grocery list. And, um, you know, even if you don't stick to his recipes and buy some of these ingredients, uh, in a balanced way that serves all these different body parts and helps your gut and helps against inflammation, you can create recipes using those ingredients with the flavors that you like or in the cooking style that you like. So it's really, it's really versatile and, and it's really educational and it, 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 it gives you um, motivation to, to want to pursue this because um, you know, there's the, it's, it's not just one solution for all. So there's different sections and you kind of um, can choose the diet that best fits you which is what I like about this. Sounds good. Great. So who's next? So I read Jessica Moxon's The Cracks That Let the Light In. And um, I've read a lot about it. I know about it from before from her blog. 
And um, it's basically her memoir of raising her three children, one of who is disabled. And um, she talks a lot about what she learns from it. And I think those were like kind of the two key messages that we keep on seeing throughout the um, book. One was that um, about language. So normally, you know, you look at the word disabled as a slur, but she talks about how um, that's kind of how people with impairment should be allowed to choose how they are described. And um, for me, that was very strong messaging because it reminds me of how in the UAE, um, we choose to call people, people of determination and empower them. So I love that. Um, and then throughout it, when she's talking about it, uh, she talks about how she's learned from it. So it's not supposed to be educational, but you certainly learn to be an ally. Um, so you learn that uh, there's this part that I have to read out actually. Uh, she says, I learned that disabled people have rewritten the definition of disability. Disability is the loss or limitation of the ability to take part in the normal life of the community due to physical and social barriers. Even though it is a nonfiction, but it reads so nice. I was just flipping through the pages. I got through it in one reading and I was actually really disappointed when it ended. As you were reading it, did you, did you ever, does she address kind of that that moment where you don't really know what to say or like you're very conscious of your language around a person with a disability and so finding the right language to like does she address that because she must get that a lot as a parent of somebody with a severe disability yeah so she does talk about language a lot that's actually the first note when you start the book and then throughout she does talk about how she learns about it even like three years after her son was born um, but then I was also watching this video that she did on um, Instagram after her book was released and she really talks about the fact that one of her reasons for writing this book is because she doesn't want to be viewed as a family or a child that has to be pitied and so mm it's more about changing the language. It's also about changing people's attitudes and perceptions towards people who have challenges. Um, so yeah, I think that's the central theme in her book. That sounds really interesting because there's, I think there's a fine line, isn't there, that where a lot of people, they don't want to not acknowledge someone's difficulties with a certain environment, but they also don't want to make a thing of it. And it's like, trying to find the balance in between the two can be, I think, tricky for a lot of people who, who aren't on the inside of that. So particularly for people who maybe don't have people with disabilities in their surrounding and are not really sure how to um, interact with them or how to make them feel included or, or um, maybe don't think about, um, you know, having, having it be second nature and in every activity that we do, so that, you know, um, our communications can be accessible, even, you know, when using social media or when, um, so even not addressing someone in particular, but just general communication that we do on social media every day, how do we make that more accessible? Um, you know, when you go out into the city, you know, making sure that everything that we can do, everybody can do. You know, you raise a really valid point about accessibility and inclusivity because she talks about how um, it's so simple. When we go to a mall and we use an elevator and we don't think about the fact that somebody who has a wheelchair might need to use it. So we just as easily could be using a staircase or 
um, an escalator. And it's just these like simple acts of mindfulness that we can practice every day. It was nice of her to include those in the book because. Um, and is it a book that's like her about her personal experience or is it um, a nonfiction guide uh, generally? It's definitely a story about her experience. Um, mm -hmm. You know, she talks about how as a parent, she goes to the hospital and as a first time parent, you would be probably worrying about things like swaddling or feeding or because that's what a normal quote unquote expectation of, um, you know, childbirth and delivery would be. And then how her world kind of spins around and then she has this new reality to contend with. Um, and so even though it talks a lot about disability, but it also has so many insights for any kind of um, parent who wants to be better at parenting. Like she talks about the difference in parenting style between her and her husband, where she mm -hmm. is more structured um, and, you know, uh, he always kind of uh, more freestyles it and she, she questions what her child is going to remember 10 years from now. Um, and then she talks about how she compares the milestones that Ben was her first one, um, his milestones in comparison to his younger siblings. And I think that's like a common uh, pitfall that all parents fall into where you start right. comparing your children. There was one more thing I wanted to mention about her book. Um, and that was just that um, in the end, she kind of has this entire list of the books that she reads to Ben but also books for children and for young adults that have a more inclusive theme so that you can read it to your um, children or you can read it yourself. And I thought that was quite interesting. Oh, that's lovely. I love a good resource list. Okay, so we have spoken about food. Um, we've spoken about parenting and disabilities. And I think now, because we are on a show or an episode about living your best life we do at some point need to talk about work and business so Andrea yes yeah so I want to talk about Gary Vaynerchuk or Gary V as he's also known and I'm gonna say that he's probably the number one hustle bro right now in the world you will have seen his post either directly or shared by other people on LinkedIn or other social media and he's um I would say he's quite Marmite. You might love him or the opposite. He talks fast. <laughs> he sounds aggressive. He really does not mince his words. I came to his book, his latest book, with quite a lot of trepidation, I have to say. It's called 12 and a Half, Leveraging the Emotional Ingredients Necessary for Business Success. Um, reader, this is not a work of literary um, staggering genius but what it is is surprisingly good advice I think for most people and it's not even just about business really some of this it's it I wouldn't even say it's advice it's like a, it's a good reminder it lists 12 traits that are very important to use in daily life and I think sometimes we're just too busy to so we forget to be patient or we forget to show gratitude because we are too focused on the things that need to be ticked off our to-do list so the half referred to in the title is gary's work in progress he is himself working on kind candor 
which means positive reinforcement that also contains critical feedback. And I think that's something that most people I know, most people I've worked with also find quite difficult. Um, so, so it's interesting that he, in spite of all his success, he still, he still acknowledges that that is something to work on. Hang on. So what does it, what is it that he struggles with? Being- kind candor. So, so that's like, um, me saying to you, Annabelle, that I think you've done a really, really fantastic job in putting this uh, conversation that we're having right now into the calendar. But, you know, aside from being really great on time, you got all the details right, you didn't include a Zoom link. So, you know, maybe that's something that you can work on for next time. So it's about giving people proper feedback, kindness, but, you know, also with with a bit of honesty in there. Okay, so I'm gathering from this that he's done the candor part, but he's struggling with the kindness bit. Uh, no, it's a combination, I think. Um, oh, okay, and actually, right. he believes himself to have a great deal of kindness because it's one of the twelve traits. So the other twelve, uh, okay. I'm going to just run through them now for you. There's self awareness. Okay. There's accountability. There's mm. optimism. There's empathy. There's kindness tenacity, curiosity, uh, patience. Uh, I think I said patience already actually, but we have it again. Conviction, humility, and ambition. And each one of these traits, which are all very good traits for us to have and to think about and to work on, they all get a small chapter in the first part of the book. Um, The second part of the book are real life scenarios. I'm not sure who provided these scenarios, but they are like Gary V to the max. They include questions like, how do I respond when my colleague gets promoted ahead of me? And I just want to uh, tell you that he suggests something like this. First of all, Brandon is amazing and I'm so pumped for his promotion. I respect the decision you made, but I'd like to be educated on how you're thinking about this. What made you choose Brandon? So, so it's 100% Gary V's voice. He hasn't edited himself when it came to putting together a book. That's how he speaks and that's what you get in the book. But actually, you know what? A lot of this stuff is um, really valuable. You know, you should ask for feedback. Maybe you wouldn't, maybe if you're like me, you wouldn't say that you're pumped about it, but feedback <laughs> is a good thing. <laughs> no, I definitely agree. And I like what he's in that example. Um, the advice that he gave, I really agree with because it's approaching it from a perspective of, okay, let me understand how you're thinking so that I can then realign my priorities according to what is the thing that's going to promote me. And yeah. um, it's, it's constructive, it's useful. Um, and there's such a science behind, you know, the way to behave in a workplace and how to interact with the people that you work with. Um, you know, last year we spoke a, a great deal about um, the book Surrounded by Idiots, which kind of teaches you about different personalities at work. But th- those kind of, that kind of literature is 
really helpful in improving our everyday lives because the better you interact with the people around you, particularly the ones you spend more time with than you do at home with your family, um, you know, the, the, the better results, the better the quality of your interactions. And I think the happier you will be as well. Yeah, 100%. If you can learn to if you can learn to bring all these traits into your life more and and meet other people with self-awareness and optimism and empathy, then perhaps you won't take things personally and you won't be upset. You will be able to hear what they're saying better and understand Mm -hmm. that how they are formulating what they're telling you doesn't actually... um, reflect how you would formulate it so you don't need to get upset about something because they don't speak the same way so there's lots of really good stuff in here it's just with a Gary V flavor mm-hmm. um, I'm, I'm really interested in hearing him talk about nfts at the festival because that's something mm-hmm. I'm super curious about right now and want to learn more about it's, it's just been blowing up and I'm he he himself has I think something more than 20 million dollars in nft investment uh, which is crazy. <laughs> so I want to learn from someone like you. very excited about that. I would like to hear from him. And I would also like to hear from someone on the opposite side of that. Um, mm-hmm. Because there's a big sustainability concern about NFTs. And I think it'd be really interesting to dive into both of those arguments. Um, the last section in this book includes exercises. And a lot of these don't particularly resonate with me, but they, there's a few that I think if you're listening to this and you pick up this book, I'd, li- I'd love to know if any of these exercises resonate with you. And one of them that I thought was quite nice was this. Open your phone book and find five people in your address book that you think are the most optimistic and then talk to them here it says text them and set up a 15 minute conversation, but I think just talk to them um, and ask them what makes them so optimistic and to be quite specific about it. Because I think having that kind of insight into um, something that I think we all need more of, we all need to be more and more optimistic and hearing why other people are optimistic can really help um, you find reason to be optimistic too. And then he says that this exercise could also lead to conversation with somebody you haven't talked to in a while. And that's nice too. And I agree with that. That's a good, good thing to leave you with from Gary V. Um, and then I think um, we should move on to you, Annabelle. Okay. I know, I know we need to move on, um, but there, I did have a couple of things I wanted to ask you oh, about on. a couple of things on um, Gary V. So just one of the earliest things that I ever read about the guy was it was an article about a guy who tried to live his live like Gary V for a, for a week. And there was this, it was this vice article. And the first line of it was Gary Vaynerchuk is Don Draper meets Ton, Tony Robbins meets Ritalin, which I thought <laughs> was, was an amazing line. Um, but I, what I'm interested to hear about as well, because I think I think the word hustle is getting a lot of pushback now from some people. And I'd be really interested to hear his 
take on that? Because his work day essentially, or work week involves things like three minute meetings. He wakes up, he exercises, he basically just works. He eats once a day and it's all about work, 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 hustle, hustle, hustle for him. And I don't, I'm just, I'm interested to hear more about how that actually works. And I think there are a lot of people who probably try and emulate that, but I think Gary Vee is probably, he's able to do that and not everybody is. Um, it's really interesting that you um, you bring that up because in the real life scenarios, the section two of this book, there was a question, I can't find it right now, but there's a question saying, you know, I've got my business and I'm working for myself and I'm really excited about this. But, you know, there are some days when I wake up and I just could not be bothered, which sounds very anti-Gary Vee, but he actually, his response to that is that he also has those days and he gives himself those days because, you know, for whatever reason, people have stuff going on and you shouldn't ignore that if that's how you're feeling. So, you know, it's not a full answer from him, but it seems like what we see of him is not all there is to it. Sasha Bates, Languages of Loss is the book that I wanted to talk about. Um, the subtitle is A Psychotherapist's Journey Through Grief, and it is exactly what it says on the tin. Sasha Bates is a psychotherapist. This is her journey. There are no quick and easy answers, and she is primarily talking about grief. She's exploring her own response to grief, and the, the reason that she wrote this book was because of the unexpected death of her husband, Bill. This is not a book to, I'm just going to give a trigger warning. Um, it, it will probably um, make you emotional. You know, if, if you've recently lost somebody or if you know somebody who has, or if you're just prone to crying when you read, you will probably need a box of tissues for this. Um, some of the key takeaways for me from this were that there are so many different ways to experience grief. Um, there's no one size fits all response to it. And she explores a variety of different grief theories that she's learned as a psychotherapist through the book. So the classic, you know, five stages of grief um, theory. She explores philosophers, um, Descartes, I think, therefore I am. She unpacks various different philosophies and ways of thinking about how we think and verbalize grief. And there's no one size fits all, but she basically discusses these different ideas and how they, they're not all, a, they can't all act as a template for you. But one of my favorite parts of the book actually comes at the very end in the summary. And she says that my suggestion is that it is not only in grief theories that a path or template might be found, but in therapeutic theory itself. I think it is important to look more broadly at therapeutic schools of thought, not simply those concerning grief, because our responses to grief cannot be separated. I think one of the, one of the most useful things, because often people around you don't really know what to say mm. or how to help in, in a situation like that. I feel like a book is the perfect way for you to feel supported, but then also, you know, choose to put it down when you feel like it's too much or, or find someone who, you, who relates to all of the feelings that you're feeling and can't verbalize. I feel like a good book on grief can really help you get back into life and maybe give you some tools um, to feel more optimistic about moving forward with day to day. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's one line as well, just to show you how it's also quite darkly funny in places. She mm -hmm. goes on this holiday, I think three months after he's died, because they 
planned to go just before Christmas and she decides to go anyway. And she sat there in this Caribbean resort and there's this line, which I think is amazing, where she says, I've again just come from breakfast, which like everything in this damn place was horrific in its loveliness. You could you could visualize that, couldn't you? Because yeah. everything beautiful reminded her of him and just started to annoy her. And I, I, I think that that makes a lot of sense to a lot of people who've lost um, loved ones. Yeah, definitely. And I've also reminds me of a post I saw earlier which says I love sarcastic people with robust robust vocabularies <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think it's been a great selection today everything from mental health to accessibility to food and how to eat better and change of lifestyle to how to interact better at work and learn work skills I think all of those things are great choices and all of these amazing authors would be at the 14th edition of the Emirates Lit Fest. And the Lit Fest has always been, for me particularly, that you know week or two weeks of goodness and a lot of conversations that do make life better for me. Um, and this was a great selection. Well done, guys. Thanks. One thing that I, I, I did want to say about our best life choices, though, is none of them represent any form of quick fix, which I'm a, I'm a big fan of. I think mentioning the festival and ongoing conversations is, is a big part of that because, you know, you read the book or you maybe you don't read the book, you come to the conversation first, but it's an ongoing process. And I think any change in your life needs to be a long-term commitment. Right. And, and we understand the world around us through stories and there's an infinite amount of stories at the festival. That is all the goodness we have time for today. We'll be taking a little break for a few weeks in order to run one of the world's greatest literary festivals, the Emirates Lit Fest. Do come down if you're in the UAE. If not, stay tuned for more bookish conversations in March. Until next time, thank you and goodbye. <laughs>